I have a question. For everyone who considers themselves to be a Christian, a believer in the Bible, the God of the universe, it's a quintessential question, meaning it's the main thing, the key question. And that question is, are you willing to die for the gospel? In Acts chapter 6, verse 8 through chapter 7, you'll find the story of one of the most well-known martyrs in scripture, second to Jesus, of course. Stephen is described as a man full of God's grace and power who performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. Stephen's wisdom and knowledge of the law and the scriptures superseded his peers. And then, of course, he had the prophetic and miraculous to back it up. So for this Stephen was arrested, falsely accused, persecuted, but thankfully this didn't stop him from speaking the truth to these Jewish leaders. He laid out their faults and their misjudgments concerning Jesus Christ. Jesus is the fulfillment of the Mosaic law and the one to whom Abraham and all the other pillars of the Old Testament faith looked to as the coming Messiah. Stephen spoke the truth bravely and faced death by stoning as a result. You have to understand that the Jewish council was full of very pompous, prideful, cold-hearted religious people. And these men considered it blasphemous that Jesus had declared himself to be the Son of God. Jesus went around uh, telling people that they were forgiven of their sins and the Jews said only God could do that. And when Jesus was standing before Pilate, uh, Pilate asked him, are you a king? Um, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Otherwise, people would fight for me. And so basically, Jesus was putting himself above the kings of the day and above all of the other, you know, spiritual leaders and the religious leaders of the day. And he basically was was unorthodox, according to Jewish law. So they, these men had no revelation of God, right? E even though they were religious. And Stephen was just trying to school them. I mean, he was confident in what he spoke. He went through the law with them. He talked with them about Abraham and his relationship with God, the covenant of circumcision. He moved into talking about Abraham's descendants, Isaac and Jacob, Jacob's sons and the tribes of Israel. He talked about Moses and the law. And basically, Stephen wraps this up, right? He talked about captivity, King David. I mean, he went through the whole shebang. He wrapped this up with calling these Jewish leaders stubborn people and heathens and unregenerate and basically saying that they were deaf to the truth. They, uh, resist, they resisted the Holy Spirit and they even murdered Christ. And so... Uh, what I really think riled up the Jews, though, is when Stephen um, started talking about seeing Christ at the right hand of the Father. That was when uh, things really went off the rails. In chapter 7, verse 54, it says, The Jewish leaders were infuriated by Stephen's accusations, and they shook their fists at him in rage. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. 
And Stephen told them, Look, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man is standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. What an amazing vision, uh, I think, that Stephen saw that the Lord Jesus was actually standing to welcome Stephen into his eternal kingdom, into an eternal inheritance. I don't think that there is anything more honorable to the Lord than to face persecution and even death for his namesake. There was a wise man, uh, a minister, who once said to me, not every soldier who enlists in the army is going to die, but they ought to be prepared to. And you can put any branch of the military in there. It's basically any soldier who enlists is not necessarily being promised that they're going to live through the experience. But you have to be brave and be willing to die. Otherwise, I guess I don't understand what the purpose of enlisting would be. And that's just from an earthly perspective of defending your country. But from a spiritual perspective, I knew what he meant. And he meant joining God's army, joining, joining the ranks of God's people who have gone before us and who are to come as well, who have, who have and will bravely defend Christ's honor. I think it takes a revelation of God on some sort of level for you to have that kind of heart posture. To be willing to die for something that you believe in is pretty powerful. Essentially, uh, what I appreciate the most about Stephen is that he prayed a similar prayer to Christ as he was being stoned. In verse 59, it says, as they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. I don't even know what kind of level of humbleness or humility or just how much of the love of God has to be infused in you that people who are presently taking your life, who are torturing you to death and you ask for their forgiveness. I just don't even know. I mean, I've been a Christian for over a decade, almost a decade and a half now. And I have to be honest and say, I don't know that I've reached that level. <laughs> but I do believe that I have reached the level without it being tested, of course, to where I would die for the gospel. I believe emphatically in Genesis to Revelation. I believe in the person of Christ. I believe he was born of a virgin, that he lived a sinless life, that he died in my place and took my sins upon himself. And I have freedom now. And then he rose from the dead. And the resurrection is what makes our faith complete. It, it's what validates it. And it's the witness to the whole entire world. And that Jesus Christ will come back for his church. I believe all of that. 110%. I have no doubts. And my prayer is, is that I don't have to go through a stoning like Stephen. Or be crucified or anything like that. <laughs> but I have a heavenly hope that I can't let go of. I am convinced and God has proven himself to me, right? So all of the evidence and proof that I have is relational. It is all based on faith and it's my relationship with God. But I have proof that God is real, that he exists, 
but he did come in the form of a man that in John 1 1 the word did become flesh and dwelt among us and now he lives to make an intercession for us that's in Hebrews and and I do believe that with my heart of hearts with my mind my soul my whole being and I don't think I believe anything else on this earth like I believe that and I thank God for that faith that's that's faith that's by the grace of God it's his faith he gave to me and so as I you know get revelation of Christ I just go deeper now one thing that I do want to point out about this situation with Stephen and this is something that all Christians should be aware of much of the persecution that Stephen faced that Jesus Christ faced and that scores of Christians have faced over the years it came from religious opposition these different sects if you will now the world of course has its fair share of ridicule and hatred for the christian faith i mean you can go into any part of the world even some parts of the united states of america and you will find that islam is welcome there even though they hate the west and you will find that buddhism is welcome there you'll find that hinduism is welcome there mormonism is welcome in there and then but then there's these places these same places where christianity just cannot go and I don't think that that has so much to do with the people who are practicing Christianity I think it has to do with the person of Jesus Christ because Stephen was doing all right going through the law and um, through the Old Testament pillars of the faith but when he started talking about Christ and calling him a king and elevating him and deifying him well they've just flipped out and I feel like that's the way it is today with secular leaders and but here's the deal back to this point i wanted to make about religious sects is that there are many different uh forms of the gospel that exist today there's only one true gospel with a capital g it's the gospel of jesus christ but there are different forms of it there are different um knowledge there's different knowledge to be ascertained about church history and about christianity and there are different teachers, different preachers, different people who have come up with interpretations of scripture. So we have a lot of division in the church today. The same as what the Apostle Paul dealt with. If you read the first few chapters of 1 Corinthians, you will see that he was dealing with those who were saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos. Translate that today. I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist, I'm et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And at the end of the day, whatever religion that you practice, you'd have free will to practice that. The, the deal is, is that what you cannot do is try to make your religion line up and, and if not supersede, because some things, you know, that people practice completely supplant and supersede Christianity. But you can't just make every religion line up with scripture. Now, of course, in 1 John, it says that any religion, if you will, um, that says that Jesus Christ is the son of God, then that religion is acceptable to God. And I don't know that the Bible is talking about a religious system at that point, more so that I think it's talking about a religious practice. And so when I mentioned Baptist, Methodist, etc., those particular sects of Christianity do believe in the Trinity. They do believe in salvation in Jesus Christ. But there is a portion of it that is human knowledge, that is man's doctrine, that's kind of sewn in with the scriptures. And so, like I said, that's where different interpretations and different types of knowledge comes from. 
and it sometimes overlays scripture and it, and it makes it hard for people to believe the Bible as it's written because they're reading it through a filter. And that even brings about persecution for some Christians who are not within these sects. And so it's the type of division and separation that the devil enjoys. Because if the, if the Christian church were to take down all of the denominational walls, all of the doctrinal interpretations, and really just let the Holy Spirit do all the teaching and the training, no matter what church it is, if we were to all get into one mind, one accord with the Holy Ghost, we would be unstoppable. And the devil knows this. And so the persecution and all of that, that's, that's set out from the enemy, but also from religious sects. The interesting thing about Stephen's prayer and Jesus's prayer as well, forgive, you know, forgive them for they know not what they do. The Jewish leaders knew exactly what they were doing. You know, we don't even find any conclusive verses in the Bible that any Pharisee or Sadducee made it to heaven. The exception might be Nicodemus in John chapter three. But I think for those of us who consider ourselves to be followers of Christ, this should grip us that it was the most religious and it was the most um, religiously wise and prestigious and, and just welcomed in all these different parts of society as leaders that basically they were the ones who didn't even make heaven. And so some of that being willing to die for the gospel is not always about a physical death, but it's about dying to the flesh and dying to yourself and letting the reputation of Jesus Christ come through your life. It doesn't matter how silly the gospel sounds. I mean, this guy was born of a virgin and then he died and then he rose again. I mean, we believe Christians, we believe some crazy things. I mean, if you stop and you think about it, if you've read through even just the New Testament, the miracles and things that happened and some of the things that were spoken, uh, Jesus was making limbs grow back and blind eyes open, deaf ears open, casting out demons that ran into pigs and pigs fell off, you know, fell off a cliff. And I mean, we, we believe some crazy things. Faith is, is, is crazy sometimes. And so it takes a lot of humbleness and humility to let that flesh be starved out or be circumcised by the Holy Spirit and just put your faith on even those foolish things that the scripture says God uses to shame the wise. Let me leave you with this. A couple of scriptures here. Take notes. Matthew 10 37 says, if you love your father or your mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. This is Jesus speaking. John 12, 25 says, those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Luke 14, 26. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple.